to it. If you could draw your attention, bust out your Bibles, your apps, whatever you got, to 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 41 through 46. 1 Kings 18, starting in verse 41. And this is what the Bible says. Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go get something to eat and drink, for I hear a mighty rainstorm. I want everybody to say, mighty rainstorm. So Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah claimed, climbed rather to the top of Mount Carmel and bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. Then he said to his servant, Go, look out towards the sea. The servant went and looked, then returned to Elijah and said, I didn't see anything. I want you to highlight that in your Bibles this morning. Seven times Elijah told, or told him to go back and look. Seven times. Finally, the seventh time, his servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. Then Elijah shouted, hurry to Ahab and tell him, climb into your chariot and go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. And as soon as the sky was black with clouds, a heavy, a heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm. And Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. Then the Lord gave special strength. I want everybody to say special strength to Elijah. He tucked his cloak into his belt and ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. Can I just have you bow your heads? I'm going to pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to speak. Not one person in this room came to hear me. They came to hear you. Would you anoint every single word that comes out my mouth that it would not be of me, that it would be solely of you. Let your word impact and transform and change lives this morning. God, with the message that you've allowed me to, to prepare before you, Lord, I give you free reign in this service. If you want to interrupt, you have free reign over the service this morning to impact your people. Would you encourage us? Would you challenge us? Not one person leave unchanged in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. So I'm sitting here, and, I'm, and we're, we're continuing our series, Launch. And then God gave me this title, Launching into the Promise. How many people have got a promise from God that they're still waiting on this morning? Well, I should see more hands than that. Come on. I got my hand up. I, I'm waiting on a promise from God that I know that he clearly spoke to me. But I want us to get, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a visual guy, but I want us to get this scripture in, in a visual sense. So I'm kind of kind of act this out for you just a little bit. Forgive me, my hair does some weird things. But, but I, I want you to get a, a sense of the desperation and a sense of the eagerness and the way that he was praying. See, it wasn't just, a, oh, God, I hope, you know, can we get some rain? Uh, you know, if it's your will, and you know, if I cut it. No, no, no. See, he was on his knees on the dirt, not on a nice little fancy carpet like I got here, but his head was literally face down between his knees. This is the position that he was in at the time he was seeking God. And he didn't just stop with one prayer. See, what he did is he said, Servant, I know what God spoke to me. I know the promise that he told me, but go check over and look into the ocean and tell me what you find. So his servant did what he, what he asked. And he looked and he looked and he looked. There's like, hey, no, no cloud here. Went back to the prophet and said, hey, there ain't nothing. Go back. Okay, nothing. Go back. Go back. Go back. Go back. Go back. See, he continually persisted. He continually prayed. And he said, servant, you need to go out there because I'm telling you, I don't know what time it is. I don't know what time, how many times it's going to take me to pray, but you're going to see something. You're going to see a glimpse of the promise. Is that you here this morning? Some of us have given up on the first time, on the second time. I, mean, I, I needed the healing. It didn't happen. I, I needed this. I needed that. And it didn't happen the first, the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth. How about the seventh time, church? 
It's time that we have this kind of prayer life, this kind of eagerness that we get before God. And see, and I believe the prophet was, is teaching us something today that to, to see the promises, to launch into the promise that God had spoken to you, we've got to get on our knees and we've got to pray in a way that we have never prayed before. Are you with me this morning, church? See, not just a prayer like at bedtime, like, hey, make sure we're safe, we got good dreams. It's not just over your food. But I'm talking like prayer. I'm talking like you're getting sweaty and you're getting all kinds of crazy. Like, Lord, I, I need you now. And I, the only way this is going to happen is if you show up in my life. The only way this addiction is going to fall is if you show up right now. The only way I'm getting out of this both physical and emotional and spiritual prison cell is if you show up right now. So right now in this moment, I'm going to get on my knees. I'm going to get on my face. And I am not going to give up. And I'm not going to stop until I see just a glimpse of the promise in my life. Come on, church. But I, and as, as I was reading over the scripture, I'm like, man, this prophet was on fire. Like he literally before called fire down from heaven on fire. But just the, the way that he prayed and the way that he didn't give up, the way that he didn't give up, give in. And like, Lord, how, how do we get to that place? How do we get to that place as a people, as a church? There's two things that God gave me. The first one is we got to get into the word. Faith comes by hearing and through the word of Christ. We got to know what it says. We got to know the promises. We got to know uh, the, the character and nature of God. Because we hear all kinds of junk in the world. People misquoting scripture, just making stuff up. Said it was in the Bible. Really? It was in the Bible. Is that right? Where was it in the Bible? Well, you know, I was, I was watching Dr. Phil one time. And this one person came on there, and they just said, this is what it was. People are misquoting Scripture all the time. It's crazy, making things up. But here's the thing. If as a people who call themselves a follower of Christ do not know what it says in the Bible, how can we challenge, how can we help them get to the truth? How can we help them get to the way, which is Jesus Christ? But see, we have nothing to compare it to because they're like, well, I don't know. Maybe it's in there. Come on, some of us get in there, pull up our apps. Ah, they don't sound right. I'm going to go find that. I'm going to look, Google search it. Come on, you Google it up. It's garbage. But we have got to stop being scripturally illiterate as a church. I'm not saying you've got to memorize the Bible because the devil knows the Bible. But what I'm saying is you need to know what it says. You need to know the character and nature of God. You want to do a character study? Do it on God. Because anything that comes your way, you can always challenge what you hear. Is that you, God, or is that the devil? If it aligns with the word and it aligns to the nature and the character of God, I can promise you, the Bible will promise you, it is a word from God. It is a word from God. So what else? You've got to pray. Pray. And pray. And pray. See, and I don't mean just like pray, but I mean like pray, pray. Like triple pray, 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 pray. You keep praying until you see something. See, what I love about this is, see, Elijah the prophet was this kind of prayer. He prayed within his prayer. He was on his knees, in his face, praying in a prayer. It's crazy to me. Crazy to me. I got OCD on HD, man. I don't know how you get to that place, but he was at that place where he was on his knees, where he was so searching after God that literally nothing would stop him and nothing would get him off the ground until God showed him just a glimpse did you, did you hear what I said? Just a glimpse. The actual storm did not come in. The rain wasn't there. It looked like a dinky little cloud in the sky. Most people are like, what is that? Fog, dust, something. But the prophet knew exactly what it was. 
He knew it was the promise of God. See, not just pray, but fervently praying. This is the kind of praying that he did as a prophet. See, in James chapter 5, verse 17, Elijah was a man with nature like ours. Thank Lord. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, three and a half years, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. That's literally what this word means. Fervently praying within a prayer. Prayer, prayer. I love that. Pray, pray. That's I'm going to quote on a hashtag that. Pray, pray. So desperate that only God could help. I need God. I need God in everything. You come to that recognition that I, only God can help me in this situation. But the wonderful thing that we, we, sometimes we breeze over these things in Scripture. It is just said that he, the prophet, a man that was highly and most powerfully used by God, was like us. Human nature, that means he struggled, that means he worried, that means he, 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 had, he had concerns, he had some thoughts he had to get checked up with God. He was human like us. Man, that should give you some comfort. I love the fact that when I read through the Old and the New Testament, there are real people in there. Man, I think my life is jacked up. I just go up in the Bible and say, man, your life's jacked up too. But God used them powerfully. Why? Because they were obedient and said, it is not about me, it is about you, Lord. Would you use me? Would I, be a, would I be just a vessel that you can move powerfully through to change a generation in Jesus' name? Can I get an amen this morning, church? But we need to go back just a bit. We need to understand something that God's will was that it was going to rain. He told the prophet, it's going to rain. Maybe he's told you something this morning. It's going to rain. It's going to happen. That dream, that vision, that promise that I've given you specifically when you spent time with me at your prayer closet, on your knees, and it did not go void. I heard every word of it, and that promise is going to come, and that glimpse of the promise is going to come to you in time passing. But here's the thing. Elijah literally called down fire from heaven. Almost immediately it happened after he prayed. But here's the thing. The promise was guaranteed with God, but it didn't happen until the prophet prayed. Think about that for a minute. God could have just said, okay, you've done your thing, whatever. Get out of here. I'll make it rain. But he wanted the prophet to pray. What is on the other side? What miracle, what promise, what dream, what vision is on the other side of something that you did not pray? Like we were like, oh, God, you're holding this from me. He's like, no, I just want you to ask. I just want you to pray. And you can't just think these things like, good thought. That would be cool if it happened. No, he wants us to actually say it. Come on, because there's power in the tongue. Life and death is in the tongue. We need to be speaking life into our, in our life and our finances and our marriage and our kids and every aspect of it, our church, our community. But we got to ask. We still have to pray. In 1 Kings 18, 1, it says, After many days the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain. That's a promise. But he wasn't going to do it without obedience. Obedience is hard sometimes. Look at our kids, right? Come on. Ah, Dad, I'm not going to do that. Like, I wish I, if I knew half of what I thought I knew at 18, man, I'd be one brilliant man. All the, okay, all the grandparents got that. But what is on the other side of a prayer that you have yet to pray? See, it's oftentimes that what is holding us back from the will of God in our lives is that we're not holding on to God with prayer. 
we're holding on to other things. We're holding on to our talents, our abilities, our own stuff, our own securities, our own fear, our own this, our own provision, our own. The list goes on and on and on. But Elijah was holding on to nothing but God. There's nobody around. There was nobody Instagramming and, 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 and taking Snapchats and all this stuff. It was just him and God. He didn't need credit. He just wanted time with God, and he wasn't getting up off the ground until he saw a glimpse of the promise. But see, I, I, I want to caution us, too, that we can't pray outside of God's will either. You don't get what you get just because you prayed it. You hear a lot of this, this doctrine going on right there. Well, if I just speak it, it's going to come into existence. Mm-mm. If it isn't aligned to God's will, it, it, it just simply won't happen. You can force it. You can blow a shofar. You can hit, hit cymbals. And you can dance all day long, all you want. And if it's not God's will, it ain't going to happen. But see, when we pray in God's will, and like the song we sing, his answers are yes and amen to the things of his will. So if he has spoken something to you, and he has given you something, a promise to hang on to, his answer is yes and amen at the end of your prayer. But you got to keep praying. See, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, it says, and we are confident that he hears us when we ask for anything that pleases him. What you're asking right now, is it pleasing to him? And maybe we don't ask because we feel like we're not righteous, like we haven't got it figured out, like we dropped the ball this week. Man, I done, I done said that. God's not going to listen to me for like two weeks. I don't know. We come up with these time frames that like for whatever reason we shut the door of communication because we, we did something. We backslid. But we get into this mindset that we can't get on our feet. We can't get on our knees. We can't get on our face simply because of us. Because of what I did, because of my backsliding, because of my mistake this week, because I fall off the handle, that for some reason that's going to inhibit God to hear my prayers. See, you are righteous not because of you. You are righteous because of the King, Jesus Christ. That's where your righteousness comes from. I'm not right with God. Okay. Get right with God. Repent. And get on your knees and say, Lord, this is what I'm seeking. These are the promises that you've spoken to me. But see, I find it interesting. I almost never, ever, 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 ever hear the enemy say this, God can't. I never heard the devil say that because he knows he can. Even the non-believers know he can. But what the devil says instead is he won't. I hear that all the time. He won't. It's because you backslid. Oh, that foul mouth. Yeah, you're done for like a week, bro. But we get into this mindset that he won't or that we see someone else get healed, someone else get delivered, someone else, whatever, someone else. And we're over here like, hey, what about me? And then the devil comes in, says he won't for you. Yeah, he's capable. He's God. But he won't. See, it's a dangerous road we go down. But see, in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith. It is simply faith. It did, I, I didn't see any measurement here in metrics or anything. Simply having faith in Jesus Christ gives you that righteousness to come before God to the throne room in prayer and worship. You have that right as a Christian. And don't let the devil tell you anything else. And you will have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done. See, the devil wants you to get you in this because he wants you to stop praying because there's power in your prayer. Come on, somebody. I want you to say that this morning. There's power in my prayer. 
See, and that power doesn't come from you. That power comes from our Father in heaven. But he uses his people, and he's instructed us, if you would lay hands on people, people would be, would be set free, and people would also be healed in Jesus' name. People would be delivered of demons in Jesus' name. But it requires people to pray and to do something about it. Oh, this ain't happening. They're not getting, man, lay hands on those people and pray for them. This church ain't, well, go ahead and start praying. Pray, pray. Get on your knees. Your power, your prayer has power. See, in James chapter 5, verse 16, it says this, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. The dude that, that, you know, that eats your, your, your leftovers in the fridge, that, that guy that parks on your lawn, the guy that cuts you off in traffic, pray for them, not just the people you like. But I heard it said, and it was super powerful, God has commanded us to love. He didn't say he like everybody. There's a big difference. I remember when I, I'm going to get off, off handle here, but I remember when I was, I, I was going to propose to my wife, and my, my father-in-law asked me this brilliant question. I'm going to use it, too. I'm going to steal it. He said, son, I know you love her. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I do. I, I love her. He said, but do you like her? <laughs> mm, I, I learned a very stark difference between liking and loving. You don't have to like somebody to pray for them. But you can love them even if you don't like them. I'm not going to get totally into depth in that, but I want you to think about that for a minute. Because, like, I don't like them. I don't like their hair. I don't like his fancy jeans. I don't like his car. I don't like the way he talks. I don't care. I don't think God does either. So love them. Pray for them. If you don't like to walk, then, you know, pray that God trips them. No, I'm just joking. I'm joking. Yeah, that's, of everything I said, you're going to remember that and write that down, right? But see, the power of prayer. So what, what kind of power does prayer have? I love, I love this. The power of prayer overcomes your enemies, both spiritual and the physical. The people that are the naysayers, ah, you can't do it. You won't do it. Man, I tell you what, the scripture tells that he will make the enemies as a footstool so you can get up on top. And now you have a platform to minister and to talk to people and say, hey, hey look at look what God's done in my life. Man, I was a jacked up guy. People can't even believe I'm on stage, let alone a Christian. But God made a, 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 not a, something that was a stumbling block is now something that I can stand on and use it as a platform. And then I can tell people and say, look, because of God and God alone, not because of me, not because I've got this magical formula figured out or I've got this all figured out. It's simply because I surrendered and I was humble before God and I recognized that he was the only one that was going to help me out of this mess. And I share that every chance I get. But the power to overcome death, to conquer death. Okay, I'll move on. I guess that wasn't profound enough. The, the power to heal. Come on, somebody. The power to heal people. Isn't this like magic formula and like if you do this and that and this and that people are healed? No, we just continue to pray. We continue to lay hands on people. And we continue to pray with expectation that God is going to do what he said he's going to do. If i got to pray a hundred times for somebody to be healed with cancer, then, Lord, I will pray a hundred times to see you heal them of cancer. Hate that word. From the pit of hell itself. Power to defeat demons. Ugly little things. 
But did you know by just saying the word Jesus, they shriek and they shrivel and they have to flee? They can't even be in the presence, let alone the physical presence. They can't even be in the presence of the name of Jesus. And that Holy Spirit that's inside each and every one of you this morning, they can't stand in the presence of that either. So your prayers have power. And you feel like all hell is coming against you and this and that. You just keep saying Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. In a good way. Don't, Don't say it when you're all kinds of angry. I'm saying Jesus, help me. Jesus, come on, come on. I, we could be real this morning. But also, it changes hearts, it heals wounds, grants wisdom, and opens eyes. See, what I love about this is it opens eyes. What, what other people see, they see skinny jeans, crazy hair, red, I think, shirt. Right? This is what you see with your physical eyes. But what you don't see is insecurities. What you don't see is doubt. What you don't see is fear. And that is what the wisdom of God will give you. If you seek God on your face, he will He'll allow you to see things in other people. You ever get that? Like, just go encourage them. Say a word to them. It seems weird and crazy to the outside world, but when you're praying and you're before God and you know God said, I'm going to say this one random word, and for whatever reason, it's going to impact and blow your mind. And it almost always does if it's God's will and he spoke it to us. But we got to be obedient. We can't shy from that this morning because it opens people's eyes to see things that are not there. Can I get an amen? See, even by saying amen, it gets people engaged. Come on, but preachers love it when you shout us down. Come on, preacher. Like it gets us all energized. I'm that guy. I'm a guy that embraces awkwardness. If I notice an awkward situation, I will go find it, and I will make it more awkward. So we're in this meeting, and there's one particular meeting. I'm a little late. I'm usually not late, but I'm a little late. And you know when you come late to a meeting, you try to be like a stealthy ninja like you're just kind of like crawling on the wall, and you're making and you're super quiet. Nobody even notices you, and then you sit down. And then all of a sudden, you feel like this room is like sucked of life. Like this guy is talking like really good things and good content, and everybody's like falling asleep and not paying attention. I'm like, wow. So being the guy that embraces awkwardness, I'll get up there and say, preach. And everybody's looking around like, oh, I didn't even know you were in this meeting, man. What, what, pre- what are you talking about? Come on, somebody. Like, and it, but when you start doing that, it changes the way that people see. Come on, you see what I'm saying? It changes the way, the atmosphere that you're in this morning. Good word. I got really quiet after that. But it changes the environment. Like I said, preachers love it. Matter of fact, I heard a study that preaching is actually better when the audience engages. So if my preaching's bad, I guess it's your fault then, right? No, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Maybe like 30% kidding. No. But your prayer has power. See, and I want to kind of land the plane here and where I'm going here. Because I think the prophet really has a lot for us to learn, more than I can even say this morning. But I think there's some key components about prayer that I think that we we can take home, we can take with us, we can jot down and really apply it to our lives. And that's what I want to do this morning. Elijah teaches us to launch into the promise of God. We need to understand prayer. Those promises, they are on the other side of you actually praying. In God's will, yes, but on the other side of you praying. And, you know, I've been, God, I've been through this for like years. Like, come on. Like, today would be nice. But he's asking us to do it again and do it again and do it again. And I want you to hear this, and it's it's funny that I say here, but 
prayer hears the inaudible. I want everybody to say, prayer hears the inaudible. See, prayer hears what human ears cannot. Did you, go, did you see that in the scripture where the prophet actually heard the sound of rushing rain? If somebody said they heard rushing rain right now, I think you're crazy. Like cray cray, like there ain't no rain outside, it's snowing. But three and a half years of desert, no rain, and all of a sudden this prophet comes up, I hear rain. I hear rain. How is that even possible? How is that possible? Because prayer hears things. Prayer allows you to hear things that others cannot. Because he got along with God. When you do, you will hear some things. You're going to hear some things. Listen. See, we like to pray and we like to talk. I'm a talker, right? I grew up, my mom would say, boy, you'd be in the car for two hours and you wouldn't shut up for one second. You just not. And I would just random things. And then I caught myself one day and my daughter was in the back seat and she wouldn't stop talking. You know, I'm at like 30 years old now. I like quiet now, right? And she was talking. I'm like, what is she even talking about? It was just, and then God checked me and said, boy, you like to talk. But here's the thing. We've got to listen more than we talk. We've got, you know, two ears, one mouth kind of thing. And it took a real long time for me to figure that out because I like to talk, guys. I, obviously, God has a sense of humor, but you need to listen more because oftentimes when we pray, how many times, like even right now, you're like, man, I watched this guy. Like, I'm checking my time, and he's got like a few minutes, and I'm getting hungry. Like, we're, we're so consumed with thoughts, and what am I going to do next week? How am I going to work with this? How am I going to do that? But God's just saying, will you just be, just hit the pause button for like a minute. Start there. And I've always said that if you pray for 30, you need to listen for, you know, at least it's twice as much. Because there's so many things that God is trying to speak to this generation. And we cut him off. We say, Lord, this is what I need. This is what I want. This is what I want. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Peace out. And then we don't, and then he's like right on the, right on the edge about to give us the answer. And we've cut him off. I do that to my wife and I guarantee you what's going to happen. It's not going to work out. That's not a healthy relationship. we got too many Christians that talk to God but don't listen. It's a one-way conversation. But maybe you're asking yourself, I don't know what God wants. And I'm just going to say this. you got to get alone with him. And by alone, I mean like no distractions, no phone. If you're like me, you can't have any kind of jewelry, anything kind of shiny. Get everything out of there, all the distractions, and just spend time with him. If you treated your, I'm going to ask you this, if you treated your relationships and conversations with your friends like you do that of God, how would that go for you? Okay, we'll move on. But God speaks to those who listen. It's as simple as that. God has so much to say to so many people, to so many families, to the church, but as a whole, we're not listening enough. We're not listening enough. It's the one who cares and communes with God that learns the secrets of himself. You hear, you will hear what God is doing before he does it. God's given me a lot of different things for this church, this campus specifically, that I have yet to see that seem crazy. It seems impossible, actually. But I remember and I hear those things that God spoke to me. And then eventually, someday, I'm going to see the glimpse of the promise. Whether I walk in it or not, it's really irrelevant but I'll be able to see the glimpse of the promise simply because I just prayed. I humbled myself and sought the face of God, turned from every wicked way, 
and that he would heal my land. Come on, somebody. Prayer also humbles us. Trust me, this is an area that God has worked exponentially in my life. (laughs) Sometimes we get to this place where we feel strong, we're independent, we're self-sufficient, man, we got it. Like, I can, I can do this. And you know, we get to that place where, man, I could do a lot without you, God, but I'll, I'll, I'll hook, you know, I'll, I'll give you a call when I need you kind of thing. I was like, what? man, I'm here the whole time. I could, I could help you through struggles. That thing that took you, like, three years to do, I could have helped you in, like, minutes if you would have just listened. Sometimes you learn the hard way, like me. Too busy solving our own problems on our own strength. I've even heard this said growing up. God helps only those who help themselves. What? I believe this because, again, I thought this was in the Bible. Like, well, okay, somebody quoted it on TV. It's got to be real. There's nowhere, this, is, this is completely contradiction to the Bible. God helps those who help themselves. He wants you to lean on him. He doesn't want you to have it all figured out, like, oh, get your stuff all presented. Have a great PowerPoint presentation on how you think you're going to plan your life. He said, just come to me, man. I don't care if you're broken, jacked up. I promise you, you're not going to be the change. You're not, you're not going to be the same when you leave the foot of the cross and you leave that place of humbleness before God. You will be different. You will be a new creation. It's not in the Bible. It's crazy. In James chapter 4, verse 6, it says, and he gives grace generously. As the scripture says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. See, I thought I knew what being humble meant. Humble is like, oh, I'm not going to just take the credit. But like really secretly inside, you're like, I did that. Right? No, humble is, and I, and I pray that each and every one of you get to a place that you understand what being humble is, but hopefully not as wrecked as I had to be. When you're on your knees in a Walgreens, can't afford literally, not like a, like a Costco box, but like a little 90-cent box of saltine crackers on food stamps, and your kid is sick. I had my life all figured out, man. I got degrees, certifications, making all kinds of money. But until you know what it is to be humble, and I don't mean humble, I don't mean humility. There is a difference. But humble when you literally have nothing to offer, but God wants to give you everything. That is the place that I pray that all of us get to, that we recognize that it can only come from him. Everything. Your spouse, your finances, your house, your provision, your health, it can only come from God. And what I also find interesting is Elijah and me at that point, that this, this, this prayer, prayer is a posture of your heart. You could tell somebody how desperate somebody wants God by their body language. If they're like this, well, God, I guess this is it. It's either now or not. Or if you're the person like Elijah that's on the ground screaming out to God, God, you didn't do it the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth time, but I'm going to do it and I'm going to pray again. Or how about the woman with an issue of blood? Posture of the heart in prayer, just crawling through the crowd just to touch the hem of a garment to be healed. Friends, we need to know what that posture is. We need to be familiar with that posture in our lives, in our hearts, whether you physically do it or not, but it's got to be that posture of your heart, like, wow, God, I need you so bad, and crying out. Elijah was teaching us how to get a hold of God, because I can tell you a half-hearted prayer 
almost begs God not to answer. Just kind of like, eh, no expectation, no heart, not even concern with the will of God. You're almost begging God to say no or not even to answer you. Prayer also sees the invincible. Like an invisible. I almost said, I said indivisible last time I looked at the flag. I was like, what are you talking about? Indivisible. Prayer sees the invisible. Go again. See, the servant didn't see a thing. Send him out. Ain't nothing out there, bro. Nothing, nothing, nothing. And then all of a sudden, he looks out and he says, well, there's like a little cloud out there, but that's probably pretty insignificant. But that's not what the prophet saw. The prophet saw a glimpse, a glimpse, not even a storm, a glimpse of the promise. And what did he do? He went all kinds of crazy. He said, man, it's time to go. The promise is coming. Ahab, take your chariot. Go down the mountain. Otherwise, you're going to be whopped up in the storm. And they're all looking at him like, man, it's just a cloud. And we got time. Oh, and that storm came. That promise came, and the king had to fly down the mountain because he was going to get stuck. See, the thing is, the servant and the prophet saw the exact same cloud. It wasn't a different shape. It was the same cloud. But their prayer life changed the way that they saw it. Come on, somebody. Your prayer life will change the way that you see things. It might seem insignificant now, but I can promise you that God has got a glimpse of a promise that is just on the other side of your prayer. And if you would take it and you would run with it and you would rejoice, it would come to pass. You see things differently. See, in 2 Corinthians 4.18, it says, so we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that we cannot be seen, that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things that we cannot see will last forever. You will see situations differently. You will see the problem differently. Not only will you see the answer, but you'll also see the circumstance completely different just because of your prayer life. It'll change the way you see. Think of this. Elijah could have given up. Just before, he just called fire down from heaven immediately. Boom. God answered him. I think a lot more than he expected to, but he had to pray seven times. But he didn't just wait for the fullness of the promise, just a glimpse of it. How eager are you to see that promise? Prayer changes what you see. And finally, prayer strengthens us supernaturally. I want everybody to say, prayer strengthens supernaturally. See, we breeze through Scripture. We, like, we want to encapsulate like, all the cool stuff. Like, wow, it's a powerful world. I want to, word, I want to do an in-depth study on that. But we miss some small details here. See, in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 46, the Scripture says, Then the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. Special strength. Well, what does that mean, special strength? So you've got to understand something. He, the prophet ran. And he didn't just, like, run. Like, he ran 22 miles. I run 22 feet. Right? And I'm like, okay, we're all done, man. There's, there's no purpose to this. 22 miles. And, and catch this. He didn't just run 22 miles. He beat the chariots down the mountain. So this dude was, like, boots of speed down the mountain. Like, man, I got this running in fast motion. Because of supernatural strength. And it didn't come before the promise. It didn't come before the prayer. It came afterwards. 
So maybe you're here, oh, man, I want to get married. I want to walk in a ministry. I want to do this this morning. I don't even know if I've got the strength. I don't even know how I'm going to do that. Don't worry about it. God will give you exactly what you need after you've prayed and after the promise comes in your life. Supernatural strength will come to you. You'll be able to do crazy things. You'll be able to hang on a ladder like Nate did and do all kinds of weird things with paint. Supernatural strength after I prayed him to be there. Thank you, Jesus. And you're here saying, how, how can I do that? Step into ministry, new venture. you got to pray. And you can't give up. you got to have, it didn't happen. It feels like time 100. But I'm going to pray once more. See, if you want to grasp, and I'm going to close with this. If you want to grasp the promises of God, we've got to get better and good at going again. Not telling a servant, but telling ourselves, go again and look. Go again and look. Go again and go again. My kids aren't off drugs yet, but I'm going to continue to pray until they are. My marriage isn't restored yet, but I'm going to continue to pray until it is. My destiny has yet to come to pass, but I will keep praying and praying and praying and praying until it comes to pass. That healing hasn't come. That man hasn't been delivered of cancer yet. But I will not stop praying until I see the promise of God come to fruition in Jesus' name. And I get this sense that, and I'm finished this morning, but I get the sense of weariness maybe in our lives. Maybe you've prayed for something. Man, my boy needs to be healed. I need to get off drugs. I need to get out of this mind. I need to whatever it is. And you just feel like you've got no strength. You've got no prayer left. You've done pray, pray, prayed, and you just haven't gotten an answer. And you're growing weary. I just want to encourage you this morning. Keep pressing in. Keep going. Don't quit. The enemy wants to remind you and tell you of who, who he thinks you are, and he wants you to look back to your sin. But you can look to him and say, I know who I am. I'm a son. I'm a daughter of the Most High God. I am a co-heir to Jesus Christ. I know who I am, and I know he's with me. 